Welcome to the dark forest Jackie and her pals will never bore us Shameless confessions about our obsessions Will make us laugh and smile So let's explore the dark forest And dark down for a while Happy New Year! Hi, I'm Jackie Cation. You're listening to The Dork Forest. It is available on all of the websites, and including iTunes and Stitcher and YouTube. And if you go to dorkforest.com or jackiecation.com, you'll find links to all of it. And then I have another podcast with Lori Kilmartin just about stand-up comedy. But this is The Dork Forest, and it's January 2020, so Happy New Year, and feel free to start donating again. That's right. Donations went off last year, and I don't blame you, but uh, think of me. And PayPal will let you do it monthly if you want, but I understand if you don't want, because monthly is um, is its own commitment. But the people who do do it monthly, ha I said do-do. Uh, I totally appreciate that. But there is also going to be new merch. I'm phasing out one of the uh, Dork Forest t-shirts. I think it's the black one. It might be the green one. The green one's almost completely out of stock, so I think it might be the Dork Forest one itself. But uh, feel free to try and order stuff so that I can get those two new shirts on the website, because right now the merch page is a bit crowded, shall we say. By the way, my website is done by Vilmos. You know that. The song that was just sang was composed by Mike Rickberg. He'll sing his version of the Mexican hat dance at the end of the program. And Patrick Brady is going to fix this audio and has been doing it for low these many years. And I genuinely appreciate that about him uh, so much. The new shirts are going to be a shirt with a bunch of my dad's sayings and a drawing of his face uh, on uh, that Jenny Fine did. And Jenny Fine, of course, was the uh, artist who did the Meat Shield t-shirt. And she also did the art for the Horcrux album and DVD. You can get all of uh, my old merch still at JackieCation.com. And the new merch, feel free to email me, Jackie at JackieCation.com. And we'll figure it out, is what I'm saying. Um, I'm going to record a new album in 2020, but I don't know where or when. Uh, feel free to come and watch me work on the new hour at JackieCation.com. has all of my tour dates and at JackieCation on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. There's also a Dork Forest Ranger page that you can get into. Donations, PayPal, Venmo, do whatever you need to do. But I'm very appreciative of everybody's support over the last 13 years. Let's get into some dorkdoms, shall we? Hey, it's Jackie Cation. I'm in my living room, but my guest is not in my living room because we are not living in the end times. Stop saying that. Anyway, Guy Branham, welcome to the program again. Good to be here, Jackie Cation. Thank you for having me. Yay! We were going to talk about politics, but I kind of wanted to talk about something here in the Dork Forest that was dorky and fun. Uh, And it's a little uh, intense to talk about politics, even though... In my opinion, you are a genius. So, be it- wait, Jackie, I think you're a goddamn genius. You are one of the brightest shining lights in stand-up comedy to me. And when you joined forces with Laurie Kilmartin, <laughs> it like like bent my world. Well, well, uh, I feel a little bent as well. Uh, <laughs> have you hung out with Laurie Kilmartin for four years? <laughs> um, <laughs> But Guy Branham, everyone, at Guy Branham, G-U-Y-B-R-A-N-U-M, right? Yes. Okay. Is there any programming that people could watch at this time that uh, they should uh, wait out the pandemic with? I mean, uh, getting a copy of my book or audiobook, My Life as a Goddess, um, wherein you are at least yes. quoted, if not thanked, I think. Oh, my uh, gosh. Uh, that's an option. That's an option. Everybody, uh, kindle it up. Have somebody, uh, have a mail carrier, have a job. Uh, I'm thinking of going snail mail these days. I'm thinking about writing some cards and letters to people. Oh, that's lovely. Wouldn't that be nice to receive a nice card in the mail? Even though uh, my father would also appreciate a fucking phone call. Anyway, uh, (laughs) Guy Branham, you want to talk about something that is fun that I've never heard of. Who are these people? These are the Mitchford sisters. They are essentially the Kardashians of interwar, like, England. They were the most fabulous six sisters um, during that period of time in between World War I and World War II. And they went in sort of, like, dramatically different and scandalous directions. Six women 
born of the Mitford family from yes. from England in between World War One and World War Two. Yeah, they were born between I think 1907 and 1920. Okay. Were was when they were born. Their dad was a baron. Oh. Uh, yes. So they <laughs> they just like lived out um, in a house in the countryside, uh, and both of their parents were whack jobs. Like, okay. Their mom was very much like a sort of like th- that era's version of a Gwyneth sort of like. You guys are only eating wholemeal bread, like nothing processed, that kind of thing. <laughs> okay. Uh, and their dad famously would hunt his children. Um, he would, they would be at what? breakfast. Yeah. And he'd just point out one of them. He would say, all right, Debo, you're the fox. And Holy... they gave Debo 10, 15 minutes to go run <gasps> into their land and then he and their son and the other girls would hop on horses and hunt the daughter who had been, or the son, uh, who had been chosen to uh, be the fox. Holy, wait a minute. Let's, let's, okay. So he had one boy. He had a boy child and he had six girls. He had Tom. Tom was super gay. Okay. But, but Tom, because <laughs> they were aristocratic British people, Tom was also a fascist. Oh, fuck. Tom, when Tom was like seven or eight, he got sent off to school and then he went to Oxford and then World War II happened, maybe Cambridge. Right. Uh, World War II <laughs> happened and, and he got killed. <gasps> so, so like Tom's an irrelevancy in this story. <laughs> the girls, the dad didn't think women should be educated. Okay. So the girls just stayed in the house on top of each other Um making life miserable for each other and becoming the funniest people on the planet in the process. Holy crap. Holy. Oh, and so he would literally, did he ever pick Tom to be hunted? I mean, he would pick Tom, but those are not the interesting stories. Fair enough. So he would pick one of the girls and he'd give them 15 minutes and she, she was on, she was not on horseback. She was not on horseback because like a fox, it was her job to sort of like make her way through the, the woods and sort of like hide. It was essentially hide and seek, but with more of the trappings, you know, more like dogs following a scent. Yeah. Yeah. Were there dogs? Of course there were dogs. Of course there were like, dogs. Holy like, shit. Like this was, this was like very much like a British country family. Like, you know, um, they had like, uh, chickens that I think the girls were allowed to raise. Oh, the, yes. They famously, uh, were allowed to sell their eggs for money, which Debo got too into. Okay. Uh, and were, they were just sort of like country people. Right. Uh, and, you know, but like uh, aristocratic. So the girls were... They were constant. aristocratic hillbillies. They were aristocratic hillbillies. Oh my God. 100%, 100% <laughs> absolutely. Because their dad had essentially like such conservative opinions that he wasn't like fancy and cool and like a town guy. Right. Uh, And he had lots of opinions about, like, who his daughter should be. And, like, they wonderfully grew up as these people, each of whom had, like, a very, very concrete worldview. Um, And they all wrote wrote books. Oh, did they? Yes. How did they get... Okay, I'll let you tell it in the order of which it occurred. Okay. So the oldest is Nancy. Okay. Um, (laughs) And Nancy wrote, like, she, like, turned their family's story into mythology by writing these books, um, The Pursuit of Love and Love in a Cold Climate, which are basically sort of like romanticized, zhuzhed up versions of their family story. Wow. So it's like, you know, it's sort of like Jane Austen, a hundred years later, um, plus, you know, um, more... uh, like, Time plus tragedy? Does that make it comedy? <laughs> Holy well, shit. But it's, it's like, but the tragedies are sort of like people cheating on each other, like women abandoning their children. Like um, in, in Love in a Cold Climate, there's an aunt who abandoned her daughter to run off with some man. And she is the biggest star to all of them because all of the girls dream of becoming somebody who just like leaves behind her marriage. <laughs> uh, and the girls did along the way. Oh, good. So, so Nancy um, grew up and she was best friends with Evelyn Waugh and she was just sort of like wow. one of the cool, sophisticated people in London during the interwar period. How did she get um, out? Do we, what? Are there stories of how they got out? Away well, the from? Thing is, 
is that they were they were nice aristocratic girls at the beginning of the the 20th century, which was the 19th century had been such a wonderful time for the British aristocracy. Right. Were now hitting that point. <laughs> that people could no longer afford to have these Downton Abbey houses. Mm-hmm. So this is essentially the... Did you watch Downton Abbey? No, but I know a lot about how how it all fell apart because of the land taxes and everybody going to the yeah. cities. So it's the, it's the same era as Downton Abbey. Okay. Um, and, and these girls were all supposed to marry well. Right. Like Nancy, who was the oldest, was like a bit mouthy <laughs> and... Um, well, she had she, survived the hunt. <laughs> yeah. she, was, she was mouthy and had like a long nose oh and heaven forfend I forget whether she had a bad first marriage but she ended up just working in a book yeah she she had a bad first marriage to a guy who turned out to be gay I think okay uh, and then she worked in a bookstore and just sort of wrote books herself and corresponded with everyone who was smart and great and gay oh that's awesome Yes. That she she then, sounds like the hero of this story. I mean, she really is. She wrote those books, um, like, and then she wrote some other sort of, like, less reputable sort of, like, silly little romances. Like, she has one really funny comedy book uh, about um, a very wealthy fascist girl trying to find a husband. <laughs> what um, the hell? Time. No, it's great. And then she wrote these history books that were... Evelyn Waugh said that they were like um, history being told to you over the telephone. Oh my so gosh. She wrote like a book about Louis the 15th and a book about Frederick the Great that were very sort of like dishy and this is who was fucking who kind of. Is she you know, Sarah but, Vowell? She's Sarah Vowell. Okay. Awesome. Like 100% but like three steps bitchier. Okay. Of three course. Yes. Because Sarah Vowell actually seems very, very nice. <laughs> yes. Um, this, I think Pam was the second sister. Okay. Everybody needs to know that I did not have the chance to refresh myself before <laughs> no. we said, we'll talk about something more fun. Exactly. Pam is essentially like a free space because <laughs> Pam was super gay. Okay. Pam started out by marrying um, like Britain's best nuclear physicist, like the guy who was going to build a bomb for them. And they were, like, friends because they both loved horses and, like, <laughs> being outside and farming. Yeah, yeah. And then eventually Because she, Pam, too, had survived the hunt. I will be saying this four more times. Yes. Pam famously okay. remembered every meal she had ever had in her life. And her letters to her sisters are frequently just extremely involved descriptions of things that she ate. <laughs> That's also, awesome. Jackie, it's important that you understand that all of these women, when addressing letters to each other, yes, just address them to Susan. They, <laughs> they, they, refer, they refer to each other as dearest Susan. Everybody just called each other <laughs> Susan. Holy shit! These are the. This is the greatest story ever told. Okay. So, like halfway through Pam's life, Pam was like, "Fuck this! I am not in love with this guy." She divorced him. And she went off with uh, a Swiss Italian woman. Good for her. Raised dogs, like lived in the countryside, and she wrote very long letters to her sisters about what she'd eaten. (laughs) That sounds actually like a a sweet, sweet life. That sounds like she nailed it. I mean, she's one of the real winners. So let's be (laughs) fair. On the political spectrum of this family. Yeah. Like, she's fascist of center. Oh, really? Yes, okay. Wait, it's going to get worse. Oh, God. So next up, you've got Diana. Okay, Diana. Diana Midford. Diana was the prettiest girl of the bright young people. Okay. So the bright young people were sort of like, they were like the millennials right. of this era. Like, they were sort of this generation of like, cool young aristocrats who were like riding around in cars and doing silly things during this period in between world war one and world war two. Right. And like universally once, cause like these girls were British aristocrats. So when they um, were in their late teenage years, they would go to court and be presented to the queen. Okay. And then they would have their coming out party and they would go to all of the parties. And that was considered their debut season. Right. And like, 
when Diana debuted, everybody was just like, she's it. She's so beautiful. <laughs> she's so charming. And the thing about Diana... Can I, can I point out that she also survived the hunt? Anyway, go. <laughs> I mean, in so many fucking ways, Jackie. All right. So she's out. Everybody's like, who's she going to marry? She's the best catch in London. She lands Sir Brian Guinness. Now, I ask you, Jackie Cation, can yes. you imagine where Brian Guinness got his money? Uh, wait, did they own the Guinness beer people? They owned... Yes, they owned the Guinness Distillery. They were the Guinness family. And they were he the had been family in England. and he had been knighted. Um, am I remembering? I, he was eventually knighted, I think, but he was also a baron. Like from his dad, he was going to inherit a barony. Okay. Uh, so, like, huge big deal. Yeah, yeah. And the richest guy in England at the time. And when <laughs> mentioning Evelyn Waugh a lot, um, <laughs> when when Evelyn Waugh wrote. Um, vile creatures okay he dedicated it to the two of them like his novel about these silly fabulous young people in london who are too rich and too smart he dedicated it to diana and brian because they were the beautifulest and the silliest and kind of the smartest okay okay wow so what year is this what year what year are we in now do you think i should probably look it up but it's it's the mid thirties. Okay. It can't be it can't be too late in the thirties, Jackie, because shit has to go really really wrong. Right. It really does. Okay. That's what I was wondering. So Diana kicks out two sons for uh, Brian Guinness, right? Very nice of her. That's a job. That's what she's supposed to That's do. That's the task. But Jackie, there's this <laughs> dashing young member of Parliament, um, Sir Oswald Mosley. Okay. Now, he's definitely a sir because he inherited a baronetcy, um, which is lower than a barony but higher than being a knight. Okay. And Sir Oswald Mosley, would you like to know what his vision of Britain was? What? He was essentially like, well, when Hitler leads a fascist revolution throughout Europe, somebody's got to run England. And Sir Mosley wanted to be that guy. He did. He marched through the streets of uh, London with black shirts and terrorized um, the Jewish neighborhoods. Wow. These are some charmers. Yeah. He was real sexy. Oh, I bet. And and Diana was like, he's real sexy. Oh, no. No, no, Diana. She just up and left Brian. Right. Like, I think left the kids with him. And then married Sir Oswald Mosley in one of the, like, grand scandalous events of the 1930s. Wow. Okay. So now she's with Mosley. She's with Mosley. They go um, to Berlin. I think their wedding was at Hermann Goering's house or Joseph Goebbels' house. Holy what? They're at the Nuremberg rally. Um, wow. Yes. Where so Indiana Jones up. got the the diary signed. What? Where Indiana Jones got the diary signed by Hitler. Yes, where Indiana yeah, that Jones one. got yeah, the yeah. diary. Okay. Diana is just off screen <laughs> having like icy blue eyes. She actually did. You, you know the Nazi lady in... Um, in uh, Last Crusade? Or? Last Crusade? Yeah. That. I mean, that's sort of the look she had. Like, Hitler really liked that she and her sister Unity, and we'll get to Unity. Holy had, shit, her name is Unity. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Unity Valkyrie Midford. Oh, God damn it. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> um, so, Diana marries Mosley, and she is really... This is the point in time when, like, I think Churchill is still complimenting Hitler, where, like, no one knows where things are going to go. And it certainly, to these, like, very aristocratic British people, it looks a whole lot better than the communists. Right. Uh, so this is all going on. The war starts. Um, and the, like, the Secret Service comes to Nancy. For years they tried to figure out who it was, uh, who did it. But the Secret Service came to the other sisters and basically said, do you think that Diana is a threat to the country? Oh, and Nancy famously was like, "Fuck yeah, she's a threat to the country." Oh my god! So, 
they weren't put in like prison prison. They were put in like the fanciest sort of, that's the thing about England is like all of these dudes went to school together. Yeah. So they can't be terrible to each other. Right. Because what if it's them next? Right. Yeah. That's what Jefferson Davis said about killing Abraham Lincoln. He said, we can't kill it uh, because they were going to send out someone to assassinate Abraham Lincoln. He was like, this is a bad precedent. Uh, We can't uh, be uh, assassinating other people's leaders because I'm the leader of this fucking thing. Anyway, go. I'm sorry. (laughs) Dudes take care of dudes. Dudes do take Uh, care of dudes. So the dudes took care of Sir Oswald Mosley by putting him and Diana in like a prison cottage they, <laughs> they were in like a cottage that was on prison grounds right with only a, the, a skeleton staff you know right. like she could only get chocolate every other day for breakfast like, okay I'm, I'm willing to bet that Lady Diana Midford was not doing any laundry during this time <laughs> uh, you are yes I, uh, uh, I'm not taking that bet <laughs> so she and Oswald and the, the kids stay with with Brian. She sure. and she has two she has two more children with Oswald, both boys as well, I think. Oh my god. Uh, and she again, they do not have these children in the cottage with them. That was not the kind of people they are. Okay. They just sort of stay in the cottage and are elegant until the end of the war. <laughs> at which point in time, like they're like, we can't stay in England. So they did the thing that you naturally do. They moved to Paris in a house down the street from the former King Edward VIII and Wallace Simpson and were the best couple friends of um, the Duke and Duchess of Windsor. Oh, my God. Wow. So you know the story of Wallace Simpson, right? I don't. I don't. Oh, so that was the... Um, did you see the King's speech? No. So... Um, Elizabeth's Elizabeth, who's the queen now. I'm a bad um, Anglophile, but yes, Elizabeth, who's the, yes, go. Her uncle was supposed to be the king, but he wanted to marry a woman who was a divorcee, an American divorcee. Oh, and he was a fascist, so they made him give up the throne. Oh. And he and his like vile serpent of a wife <laughs> went and lived in a beautiful home outside of Paris and played bridge with. Uh, Sir Oswald Mosley and Lady Diana Mosley oh, every, you so know, glad, every week. I'm so glad all the fascists uh, have these happy endings. I think Pol Pot lived out his life in <laughs> Paris as well. Um, good Lord. I mean, there are worse places to uh, live uh, yeah. out life. Oh, yeah, for sure. They're doing excellent um, work with like a, a Milfoy. Mil How do you pronounce that? <laughs> the Milfoy. Milfoy. There we go. <laughs> I really enjoyed when um, when you guys went. It was just after I had taken my niece there, and um, oh, nice! It was amazing. It was cool to see your journey. Thank you. So, uh, anyway. Go back in our Instagrams, you guys. It's Guy Branham, by the way, and here we are. Go. Diana, late in life, just does some editing of light uh, fascist or <laughs> uh, Eurocentric journals. Good lord! She also wrote a book, which Jackie, I need you to understand and respect. He's as funny as the other sister's books. Like, at the end of the day, she's just as funny as they are. Well, thank God. (laughs) That's Diana. That's Diana. What we've gone through, people, just if anyone's keeping track, it's Nancy, Pam, and Diana. So those are the older three. Now we get to the younger three. An important thing to understand about the younger three is they invented their own language. What? It's called Boodladidge. (laughs) And... It is a thing... Dear Susan, talk to me about their boodladage, okay? Um, so it was it was a language that um, Unity and Deco would speak with each other. Deco. And apparently Debo understood it fluently, but was scared to speak it. But it, because it is so well documented in their writings, is now regularly studied by sort of like academics who study created languages. Okay. Wow. Um, yes. Um... Oh, and they called each other Hans because if you're an Earl's daughter, mm-hmm. you're a lady. But if you're a Viscount or Baron's daughter, you're just the Honorable Jessica Mitford. Ah. So their reference for each other was Hans. Well, they uh, sound insufferable. Holy smokes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now there's Unity. Okay. Unity Valkyrie Mitford. Valkyrie. She's almost as pretty as Diana is, but more importantly... Six one. Six feet tall, six one. Wow. Huge. 
huge. She also and survived the hunt. She also survived the hunt. Okay. It turned her into an emphatic fascist. They're all... So, Oh. No, wait. I mean, the, Nancy was a socialist, and we'll get to we'll get to Decca. Okay. Uh, um, so Unity, when she was in her like late teenage years, became obsessed with meeting Herr Hitler. Okay. So she went with Diana and Oswald to Berlin, and she found out where Herr Hitler went for lunch every day. Oh my so god. So she started eating lunch there. Every day. This is like someone who falls in love with Orlando Bloom. Not that he's a fascist, but it's like, you're just like, where does he have lunch? I'm going to go sit at the Chateau Marmont every day until it happens. Wow. That was her strategy. So she did it. And then finally, Hitler like came up to her and complimented her perfect Aryan beauty. And then she and Hitler dated off and on for a period of time. Oh my God. Yes, Hitler was still involved with Ava. Like, yes. how much his friendship with Unity, how far that goes, we don't no know. one can say. No one can say. And I say good. Good riddance to that tale. Anyway. So, yes. Cute little relationship that lasts <laughs> until 1939, oh. when Britain declares war on God. Germany. Right. So you're in a situation, you're an emphatically, deeply British woman, and you're dating the chancellor of the country that your uh, that your country just declared war on. What's a girl to do? <laughs> so, where is Unity, this musical? Unity. They actually did one. They attempted to do one about the Mitford sisters. I don't think it was raw enough, though. Okay. So, uh, Unity did what any girl would do. Uh, she put a pistol in her mouth <gasps> and shot herself in the brain. Now oh you were God. like. What a sad end for Unity. Yeah. No, no, no. No? She, she does not die. For, she lived for another seven years, 12 years, something like that. Wow. Like, the bullet went straight through her brain. She got removed back to England. Sure. And she just became super religious after that. Oh, my God. Like, after the chunk of her brain was gone. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I don't need... There's so much there. There's so... There's, like, yeah. a whole... Like, how did... What? Is there a book about that? Just about well, that? I mean, that's the thing, is that Unity didn't write a book. And no? also, her sisters are, like, reticent. Because what's weird is that Unity is kind of the one that everybody liked. Okay. Like, these bitches... Like, this is just their public lives. The private backstabbing and anger that happens is, like, cataclysmic. Um... But everyone kind of liked Unity the most. Okay. Wow. Um, so that. So that's Unity. Unity. Next comes Jessica. Jessica, who survived the hunt. Jessica. Why did she get a normal name? Um, okay. She didn't. Uh, she was named Jessica, but everyone called her Decca. Oh, D E C C A? C as in cat? Yeah, D E C C A. Okay. Oh my god. So. Decca, from the beginning, was just an emphatic communist. Like, in stark opposition to her sisters, she and Unity shared a room, and, like, they put a line down the middle and had, like, swastikas on one side. um, Sickle and hammer on the other. other. Yes. (laughs) Um, Wow. It's so so interesting um, that their dad didn't want to educate them, because they both (laughs) seem to have read some books. Everybody seems to have educated themselves. They they were all really, really smart. And there was this frustration among all of them. Like, Jessica was the most mad that she hadn't gotten to go to school. She was really pissed off about it. um, And, like, was like, I need practical skills. You know, she was very angry that she never learned to type. That kind of thing. Oh, right. Uh, Right. Fair enough. She, um... Saved money. With, uh, like, they had, like, a little... They would raise chickens and then sell the eggs. Okay. And she would save the money from that, and she would send it to the communists. Oh. Uh, and then when she was in her middle teenage years, she started uh, having a bit of a romance um, with this guy, Edmund Romilly, who was Winston Churchill's uh, nephew. Oh, my gosh. Okay. You know, can we let, let's stop briefly to to say that it's really easy to be a communist or a fascist if you're part of a monarchy. 
Like if you're an aristocrat, <laughs> I mean, it just it makes it a lot cheaper because uh, it gives you more free time. <laughs> anyway, please. No, I want you to make this point. I kind of like it, but I want to understand it better. Oh well, the thing is, is, is like, I mean, who doesn't want? I mean, to be part of the, to be part of a, uh, an aristocracy, and to um, and to be part of an oligarchy is um, you could be all for the common man, right? Or all for uh, a merit based Ayn Rand kind of thing, if you don't have to worry about actually feeding your yourself or yeah. your family it, it if you have the free time if if you're wealthy enough to have these these extreme political views because you're gonna meet winston churchill's nephew anyway right, right. and get to bang him so it's he's comp- just a cousin like everybody's cousins with everyone else and along the way like we're hitting the points in time when like their dad and mom have to like downsize houses and stuff Oh. Because there's just not enough money flow right. to keep that way of life going. Right, right. They, um, they no longer have a string of polo ponies. Everyone just has their own hack. I right. get it. Sure. And there is the way that these girls were really just like raised to be an accessory on some politician's arm. Right. And then you hit the point where there aren't enough like wealthy politicians to go around. And you got to marry the Guinness, Guinness money. <laughs> well, I mean, he was a baron, so he was a politician. Like, oh, right. Okay. People, like, yeah, that's you know, right. their dad was like going and making his batshit speeches in the House of Lords every year <laughs> because no one could throw him out. Right. Oh my God. Okay. So Decca and uh, her beloved Esmond Romilly. It's the 1930s. You're a young communist. What are you going to do? Um, they run off to Spain together to no, fight no. with the communists. Oh my God. Wait, so, the Spanish Civil War. Spanish Civil War, she's not an old teenager. She is 14 to 16, I believe. Wow. She, she's like too young to be doing this. Yeah, yeah. How and they old get is... there, and I think they never actually make it to somewhere where they can fight. Yeah. Because their dad, so first of all, when it's reported in the newspapers that this girl has run off, right. they get the name wrong. And they say that it is the last sister, Debo, okay, who, who has run off with some man, which she would have been like ten or twelve. Right, exactly. She's the youngest, and so she got so pissed off that people were implying who also the survived the hunt. Anyway, <laughs> go. On. I'm, I'm done uh, now. <laughs> so, uh, like Jessica's there, and like her dad's freaked out and is trying to use all of his political power to get her back. But more importantly. Um, that Romilly boy is Winston Churchill's nephew. And Winston Churchill at this point in time, I think, was either in charge of the Admiralty or maybe was... He wasn't Prime Minister yet. The point is, like, Winston Churchill gets the Navy to send a ship to Spain to to come get these two stupid teenagers who have run off. Wow, this is a... Wow. Yes. So, she and Esmond come back, and they're like, well, I guess you two have to get married now. Right, because because even though you're 14, and Esmond is what, 16? 18? Yeah. Yeah. He's like damaged goods. I forget exactly how the timeline works, but he ends up going... They move to America so that he can be a fighter pilot for America. They have a baby. Okay. This is like a couple of years in. I forget why he didn't want to fly for Britain. With the RAF. They moved to D.C. And he starts flying for the U.S. Air Force. Okay. And then he almost immediately gets shot down. He gets killed. Oh, he killed? He gets killed. All right. So Jessica is now on her own in America with a baby. Okay. Um, And she meets a, like rabble-rousing leftist Jewish lawyer named Robert Truhaft. Okay. And the two of them get married, and she moves to Berkeley. Would you <laughs> like to know who Hillary Clinton's first boss was? Who? What? Robert Truhaft. Wait, say that sentence again. So Jessica's husband was Hillary Clinton's first boss. Holy shit! Yes. 
Hillary Clinton, like, wanting to learn how to be, like, a liberal labor lawyer. Right. Came out to Berkeley and lived, like, with them for a summer and learned how to be a leftist um, uh, lawyer lawyer from them. In Berkeley. Wow. And 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 he was married to Jessica Mitford. Yes, he was married to Jessica. Jessica then becomes a journalist, and she becomes the most famous of the muckraking journalists. She goes out... And she, like, makes a problem to find a problem. Like, um, <laughs> Oh, my God, her, these people. Her most famous, she's very active in the U.S. Communist Party. Okay. Uh, and she writes a book in the 1960s called The American Way of Death. Okay. That is basically, like, her going undercover to learn about how much the funeral industry is charging people to do nothing. Oh. Like, it's a fabulous, hilarious book. Oh, really? It's basically like, how dumb are you for paying this much money for caskets, for funeral stuff? This is literally just the thing you're going to rot in. Right. Uh, Over the next millennia. Yes. Yes. And so she, throughout the 60s and 70s, keeps writing these books that basically like take down an industry. And she basically becomes like the Malcolm Gladwell of her time. Okay. Or like... Jared Diamond, that sort of like nonfiction author that everybody's talking about. Does she make the kind of change that like Nader made with the seatbelts? Yes. Okay. She like, she like social change happens because of the books that she writes. Okay. And then she makes change in the sense of she starts making more money than just about all of her sisters. Okay. So, and and she also has pissed everyone off at this point in time. All of, like, all of her siblings? Yes, because like she and Diana hated each other vehemently. Um, like she and Unity uh, always sort of stayed in touch, but like Diana's a, or, uh, sorry, uh, Decca's a pill. Like Jessica Mitford, you could always tell is a little bit of just an asshole. Like, um, you know, however just smarter much than was, everybody and using it, not always for good. Yes. Okay. Uh, like, you know, because however much she was a liberal cru- uh, crusader, there are stories of her like going and staying at Alex Haley's house, the guy who wrote Roots, yeah, and like making fun of how tacky the furniture was oh, because because she's a day, British aristocrat at the end of the day. Yes. Oh my uh, God. <laughs> so her daughter, with Churchill's nephew, marries a Black Panther. Oh. Uh, and generally, they are like uh, the first family of the East Bay um, leftists. Oh, and when their dad dies, the family had a private island in Scotland. Of course they did. And, and like, her her big dick move was to take her money from her publishing and buy out everybody else so she could own the island. Oh. (laughs) And everybody else needed the money. So they were like, it'd, it'd be like buying the house on Cape Cod. Uh, and then not letting anyone's or say, well, you can, you just have to ask me if you want to go. No, it's absolutely that. It's absolutely that. Uh, like, it was just profound dignity <laughs> And their capacity, like, their letters are so great because it's always two of them talking shit about somebody that they are mad at. <laughs> and the majority of the time, Decca is who they were mad at. Oh, my God. Okay. Oh we have one sister. We have one, one sister. sister left. Yep. Debo. Debo was the youngest. Was her name Deborah? Her name was Deborah, okay. but everyone called her Debo. Why wouldn't they? Well, oh, and she uh, survived the hunt. Yes. Uh, would you like? They had wonderful nicknames for lots of people, but my favorite is <laughs> the Queen Mother. Yes. The Queen Mother they called Cake because she wore pastels and was fat. Oh my God! What assholes! No, they oh are a hundred percent like these women assholes. Oh my like, God. unrelenting assholes. And the fact that they were denied the... Op- like, if they had been men, they yes. would have been fascist dictators. Right. They would have been monsters. Right. But the frustration of being women, the fact that, like, each of them was just in a relationship... Oh, I forgot. Nancy ended up in a relationship with an ugly... The oldest. With an ugly French general or colonel. Okay. Um, who cheated on her constantly. Wow. Um, like, they all ended up in these relationships that fundamentally destroyed them. Um, and it's wow. such a magnificent tragedy. Okay. <laughs> Except for Devo and Pam. Okay, so Devo. She's the youngest. By the time she's even sentient, 
her sisters are like in the papers making like roughness like constantly making trouble for everybody right right right. and also by the time she comes around their parents are having to like downsize the house and like don't have as as much resources for stuff and nancy's like 13 years older than her or more than that maybe 17 years older than her um though um apparently debo is quoted as saying that um as when she was a child her earliest memories is nancy um, breathing a sigh of relief and saying thank God when she was taken up uh, to be put to bed. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, because she was such a useless creature. Oh my God. That's, uh, they would, yeah. They would they would stand around Debo and point at her and tell, tell her that she was the least important amongst them. <laughs> it was the one thing that they could agree on. Jeez. Okay. So Debo's trying to you not d- make can I tell you this? Is that Brian Regan has a bit about how, because he's one of seven, and yeah. one of his brothers has red hair, and instead and doesn't look like the rest of them. And instead of celebrating that red hair, they did two things. One, they told him that he was that they found him in a garbage pail. And they kept it up for a decade. And they also said that they had an older brother who hated him so much when he was born that he moved to Australia. And then they would <laughs> pretend to, that he had called. Like one of the brothers would go to the store, call, and they'd be like, hey, it's Tom from Australia or whatever the name they made up. And there's like, yeah, you still here. Oh, you're not coming home because of it. And they would literally torment their youngest brother with this horrible, horrible story. <laughs> That is a quality bit. It's I a mean, very quality. It's an interesting bit for Brian Regan to do, and uh, there's there's a good ending to it. I have not given anything away. See Brian Regan. Like, fake sibling really is the kind of thing that you can get a six or seven year old to believe. <laughs> you really can. It's not okay. <laughs> anyway, so we're on Debo. We're on Debo. So Debo decides that she's going to do the safest thing possible. She's just going to marry another aristocrat's child, right? Okay. During the war, she falls in love with the younger son of the Duke of Devonshire. Okay. He's a, he's a younger son. He's not going to inherit anything. Right. He's not going to be um, a duke, but... Yeah. And it, it is the war. So um, she isn't able to have, like, a splashy big wedding like everyone. She had, like, a very toned-down, rationing kind of wedding. Sure. Uh, you know, just with family and was like, I'm just going to, like, lead my life. Well... Her, her husband's older brother. Mm-hmm. So when somebody has a very fancy title, their son gets to take a one step lower fancy title. Okay. So the son of the Duke of Devonshire, the oldest son, is always the Marquis of Hardington, right? Okay. And he was married to a woman by the name of Kathleen Kennedy. Because, of course, old Joe Kennedy was the ambassador to the court of St. James throughout the 30s. That's right. And so... He was hanging around, had a a very uh, fancy daughter who Mm -hmm. famously was like the most Kennedy-ish of the girls that we've ever had (laughs) in that generation. So she was um, like John Kennedy and Bobby Kennedy and Teddy Kennedy, their sister. Okay. And she was apparently a good time, you know, like, and very close with Jack. But she made this splashy marriage to... um, the, the heir the, to the Duke of Devonshire. Yes. And then uh, it's fucking World War II. The heir to the Duke of Devonshire gets killed in battle. No, no. And he's not he, supposed to go. In, he's not supposed to join the army. <laughs> he's, he's supposed to stay and take care of the land. His, his they, younger brother is supposed to join and die. They have to. It's their job. They right. have to make it look like they care. Okay. Uh, so she stays there. And Kathleen, I mean. Oh. And it's just going to be like, well, I guess this is the family that I am associated with. Um, and then less than a year later is in an airplane accident. Like the, a plane she's in crashes. Um, and it is like this huge moment of tragedy that their families have to share. Right. So Debo goes from just having married someone of about her station to being in line to inheriting um, the victim of Devonshire, right? So, right, because her her husband is now the Marquess of whatever. 
he, he, he does not end up taking that title along the way. If, if, if your second son, like second son doesn't end up getting uh, Prince of Wales, that kind of okay. thing. So, yes. Um, <laughs> but luckily, the upside is that her father-in-law is not very old. Um, and he and his wife are going to be around being the Duke and Duchess of Devonshire for a long time. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Of course, right. No. Oh, shit. He has, he has a little bit of medical trouble. He has a little bit of medical trouble. And they call in a local country doctor. And by the time that country doctor leaves, that Duke is dead. Holy smokes. It was just literally just something normal and he just, the doctor kind of messed it up and he dies? No, no, Jackie. There had been a string of deaths that happened because that doctor was a serial murderer. What? Huge reveal at 45 minutes, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell? So, um, the dad's gone, and it's after 1945. And in 1945, a very leftist labor government takes over, because Britain needs to put itself in order the way that we're going to need to put ourselves in order after we get through this tragedy. Right. And they passed a significant social net for everybody, but they paid for that by taxing the richest people in the country very significantly. Right. That included, most significantly, a death tax of around 50%. Now. Wow. Normally, you you could kind of avoid that through like, wills and trust planning. Right, right. There was shenanigans. Always has been. Yes. But because the Duke died so unexpectedly, not long after these changes had taken place, they owed a shit ton of money. Right. And Debo's husband, I think his name was Andrew, was never the most together guy. Okay. Like, he ran for parliament a couple of times um, before he, he, like, took the title. Right. And... He, like, tried to do stuff, but he was never a go-getter. Okay. Jebba is a fucking go-getter. Right, right. She survived the hunt. She survived the hunt. Right. So she, she was in another goddamn hunt. And they have, you know, this family is very, very rich, but all of their riches are in the form of land that pays rent to them. Right. Or, like, exquisite art from their 600 years of being dukes. Right, right. And a bunch of real estate. So, right, but some of it's entailed, right? Some of it you can't sell because it's attached and, to the dukedom. Entailment ended in um, like the first labor, the first liberal labor government, like 1919. Oh, okay. They took away most entailment, but the family still wants to be able to keep enough income that they can keep this house going. Yes, because Chatsworth House is like the most important thing that they have. Yeah, uh, but it also costs a shit ton of money. Right. So, Andrew, like, shuts down. He's not being a person anymore. And also, let's be clear. <laughs> along the way, Debo is having so many miscarriages. Like, oh, she is I was going to ask. No, like, Kathleen Kennedy didn't have any kids, obviously, and no, there was only no. the two boys? Yes. Okay. Um, so, she's trying to, because, like, her job is now to have an heir and keep this stuff in the family. Yeah. But then she's also got to do the work of how the fuck do we keep this stuff in the family? Right. So they ended up meeting with the tax authorities and basically gave away a couple of the smaller houses that they had in land and some of their art. But we're basically like, we're going to have to, we're still going to owe you money. We're going to make you payments. You know, at the end of two weeks notice, uh, Hugh Grant says to Sandra Bullock, we're poor now. We may have to share a helicopter. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's it's about perspective. Yes. <laughs> so, like, yes. I mean, the whole point of this is they're trying to keep this ridiculous house that is a relic of the past. Yes. Yes. But, but also, beautiful. Yeah. Like, Debo is so beautifully like straddles the divide between both being a person of modernity who always went to the store and looked at the lady behind. She always says that the woman behind the till was the most glamorous to her. But also, she understands this world of, like, fancy houses and stuff. Right. So she basically says, this isn't a house anymore. This is an amusement park about the people that we are. So she puts together, um, like, a farm shop where they sell at an extremely, like, high price the fancy hams and cheeses and stuff that are being made 
by the Duke and Duchess of Devonshire. She starts giving, like, they start having regular tours of the house. Yeah. Like, they, in Downton Abbey, they kind of, like, started doing some of that shit, but Debo was really the person who took, because her husband was basically in a state of depression and couldn't come out of it, she turned their house into an extremely successful, like, um, commercial venture. Yeah. She made it a business. Yeah. Um, and then, like... She's amazing. They're all yeah. amazing, but she seems to at least been, like... Did she ever have any kids? She did. I mean, she had the kids that she was supposed to have. She had a son named... Jackie, get ready for Uh-oh. it. Uh-oh. Peregrine. <laughs> oh, my falcon. Please. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> um, she, ha- she has a son and a couple of other children. Um... Uh, British supermodel Stella Tennant is her granddaughter. Okay. Like, she had a fair number of miscarriages at really inconvenient times, but she pulled shit back together. She had these kids. She, like, kept the house going, and she really had to be the person who was, like, she's the only person that there was never a time that none of the other sisters were talking to her. Okay. She was always talking to at least one of the sisters. And the fact that she and Decca... Like, she and Decca, Jessica, were the communists, were the closest. Okay. And when she ran off to Spain, Debo was like, fuck you, bitch. Right. And that apparently, like, never really healed. They did go, like, Debo came and visited her in um, California. Okay. Like, they did see each other, but there was always this sense of betrayal behind. And you could um, tell that from the letters or from? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I cannot emphasize this enough. They are all so funny. Like, they (laughs) are all so funny. And the fact that Debo tried to be the nice one only gently dulls her funniness. The way that Diana, there was some shit Diana couldn't talk about, so Diana doesn't make a ton of jokes. Right. But the ones she makes truly land. Yes. Uh, uh, Yeah. So... Unity's the one who who dates Hitler. Yes. Diana is the one who marries the hardcore fascist and goes to Nuremberg. uh, Before Nuremberg was really put to the use that it was created for, which was to hang Nazis. And, um, and then Nancy and Pam. So how did, how did these people, how did they end their lives? Oh, I mean, it's truly wonderful. Uh, <laughs> Unity lasted another, like I said, seven or 12 years right. after she shot herself. Yeah. And then she ended up dying, oh my God. which was really was really hard for them. Pam, you know, old lesbians don't die, they just fade away. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, but she had, she had all the dogs she ever wanted, and she had yeah. a, a, an Austrian-French girlfriend that... Uh, that provided solace and uh, and companionship throughout her entire life. God, they loved horses together. Oh my God, they must have. <laughs> um, um, it's the greatest draw to lesbianism for me. Uh, <laughs> it's the horses and the dogs <laughs> and the um, camaraderie. Jessica lived here in America with Robert Truhaft in Berkeley. I did not know about the Mitford sisters until I was in law school. Oh. And then I moved back and I did not realize... I lived, like, two blocks away from Jessica Mitford for, like, three of the last ten years of her life. You could have gone to a restaurant that she I, went to every day to have finally met her. That would have... <laughs> yes. And so they, they like, just lived in Berkeley and were Berkeley people. Wow. Uh, of the deepest sort. She died relatively old, like, in her 70s or 80s. That's um, awesome. Nancy, Nancy, I want to say lady cancer... In oh, her okay. 50s or 60s. Okay. Uh, um, oh, and that was, I think that was the one time that they, like, basically everyone drew a truce to go to Paris to take care of Nancy when oh. Nancy was on her way out. Okay. Like, I mean, in the film version of this, that's the end. All of the bitches show up <laughs> and it's like, we're not going to have this fight because we just need to give our sister a sponge bath. That's it. That's it. Everyone keeps it in their pants for this weekend. Uh, because yeah. we don't have time for this. Diana yep. lived to a hundred and goddamn two. Wow. And then in, um, I think it was like 2006 it must have been, there was a terribly hot French summer. Yeah. 
Like it was one of those famously hot European summers. Right. And no one has air conditioning. That's right. And they always tell you how many old people died. Diana was one of the old people who died. All right. In 2006. Wow. Wow. That's. And then. Yeah. Debo lived until a couple of years ago. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah, she was still around. Um, There's lots of good video of interviews of her. I always dreamed that I would get to meet her. Yeah. But I think if there's anything great about um, Debo, it is there's a recording of her talking about why women from the, why people from the 30s all have that 30s voice. (laughs) And she insists because it's to be able to speak over phonograph records. Um, Oh. Because phonograph records were like high pitched and for some reason their specific cadence was audible over phonograph records. Uh, uh, that is an interesting, uh, I wonder if that's true. That it can't, I mean, it's... Oh, though, I, I am I'm remiss in not saying Debo's favorite recording artist. Yes. Elvis. Oh. Uh, she was close personal friends for family reasons with John F. Kennedy. She did not give two shits about John F. Kennedy. Right. She was like, can I meet Elvis? <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we are almost at an hour here, which is I know, fucking awesome. No, this is this is going to this will be what uh, this will be what this quarantine is about. Uh, oh, is there a question from the for, from quarantine? Andy Ashcraft is sitting on the other side of this uh, this computer. Yes. Hello. Hello. Uh, Hello, Andy. I only perked up because I think you have about 10 minutes. No, no, we have five minutes. Well, I don't think you started the episode as soon as you started recording. Okay, he doesn't have a question. He would just like to tell me that there's more time available. I would like like there to be more of this episode. (laughs) He would like there to be more of this episode. I feel like we made a lot of content, Jackie. We really did. This was fascinating. I uh, will now be going on a YouTube rabbit hole uh, to see any videos and interviews with the Mitford sisters, M-I-T-F-O-R-D. Let me just say... Um, the best thing to read is Love in a Cold Climate if you want just sort of like a fun book that is a fictionalization of their lives. Okay. Because that's Jeff- Evelyn Waugh? That's, Na- that's Nancy's book. Okay. That's Nan- oh, that's Nancy's book. Uh, and then Jessica wrote a like nonfiction version, a just sort of like, this is the real deal, called Hans and Rebels. Okay. Um, that is also really good. Oh, and is the favorite book of J.K. Rowling. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> There's so many, there's so many weird, uh, yeah. So did, uh, holy smokes, it's, um, this has genuinely been fascinating. I, I, I'm kind of, because they weren't flappers, they were just aristocrats, right? Yeah. Okay. Like, they I, were just, they were bitches who had to matter, <laughs> and who were too mouthy to just be a good hairdo right there's so many there's a waste of of geniuses in this world and uh some of them were wasted because they were women and uh and granted they might have been fascist dictators so uh (laughs) but uh some of them are wasted because they're poor and it's just it's just a damn shame and i like that they rose above the hunt (laughs) <laughs> it's uh the hunt was always in their blood jackie the hunt w- really was but the only one who seems to have used their powers for good i guess would be the two youngest and yeah. um the other four uh holy smokes i mean nancy's pretty great yeah nancy's and the, pretty- the deck was stacked against him so bad so it's, t- it's really true so t- was tom killed in world war one or world war two world war two okay. he was like in his 20s in world war two and was like medium fascist himself and uh, super gay. Super gay. And again, uh, just throwing away that too. Because <laughs> you're like, you're going to have to have children. He's like, I'm going to have to think about Trevor Noah. Or <laughs> Trevor Noah's a terrible example. He's a very handsome man, but he's a, a person who's alive now. Uh, I think I was, because you know what we did today? Uh, this is our first full day that I've been back. Um, uh-huh. We watched... Um, uh, oh, some like it hot. Oh, wonderful! And then his girl Friday, neither of which uh, Andy had sat and seen the entirety of. And at two different points, he goes, "This is a romantic comedy." And then he, okay. l- ten minutes later, he said, "This is a romantic comedy." So uh, the not his favorite movies. Yes. Fuck him. <laughs> uh, first of all, 
His Girl Friday is one of the great examples of 1930s voice. Yeah, also, Rosalind Russell. <laughs> like, I fucking love... His Girl Friday is so good. It's rom-com between two people who already know how to hate each other. That, that's the best rom-com. Well, and, uh, and at one point, especially when Earl is... Uh, when he comes in with his gun, with the gun that yeah. he got from the sheriff, uh, he's like, this is a noir thriller, is what this is. <laughs> And yeah, I'm like, kind of. It really was. Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly more complex. I want him to see that Clark Gable. Um, it happened one night. Yeah. Oh, you've I seen that? Been... Okay. I have never seen it happen one night. Oh well, it's probably streaming somewhere. I mean, that's what quarantine is for. That's what quarantine is for. Uh, Guy Branham, I genuinely uh, love you and all of your works. Jackie, so. I needed this today. Yeah, I think uh, I think I did too. All right, I'm going to tell uh, the Rangers what I tell them every time, and it means even more right now. Take care of each other, you guys. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. (laughs) My hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance, and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. Why don't we just call that as the end of the show?